<laughs> okay, one more time. All right. I'm April Margulies. And I'm Christopher Tompkins. And you're on the line with the Hype Busters. Welcome. Ready for some real talk on strategic communication? You're in the right place. Oh, well, hello, April. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? I'm super good. What are you, what's this? Are you drinking a Slurpee? What's happening? No, no, no. I'm drinking some tea. It's it's called Joy. I figured I would get something that I don't have and drink it to make oh. myself more joyful. No, it's um, <laughs> it's some sort of tea that's supposedly seasonal, but it was on clearance, so of course I'm going to buy it. Um, was it Bogo? No, it was it was it was kind of like. It was kind of BOGO, but it was like Bo a lot of goes. So you could choose different skews that you could BOGO together, but it wasn't like a BOGO, BOGO, BOGO. Like it wasn't like a one for one. It wasn't a direct BOGO. It was a multi, it was a multi-dimensional BOGO. Yeah. Cause I live in Florida where every, every, every grocery store that you go into, there's just absolute buckets of stuff that you can get two for one. BOGO. BOGO all day. Maybe you can buy Florida for buy one, get one. Um, I'm absolutely sure. I mean, you know, throw in Mississippi. So, so uh, we're, we're we're ringing in. This is our uh, first new show of the new year. So, uh, we I don't want to say look into our crystal ball. And what what are your hopes for uh, 2022? Ooh, that's a big question for a pretty big. Um. Well, my main hopes for trust relations is that we're going to get further along with this integrated marketing solution that we want to offer clients so that we're able to tap into some of the metrics that marketing provides and then have that feed PR and vice versa. And so um, I'm excited about that for us. As far as the world goes, I have absolutely no idea because I know last time last year, we were all like, oh, 2020 is behind us. Thank God. And then it was like, and season two. So I'm really hoping it's not season three of 2020. Yeah, I was, I was kind of, I, I don't know if I told, I told you I was watching a, I wasn't watching. I was, I was, I was so tuned out because I absolutely do not participate in New Year's Eve in any way, shape yeah. or form. Um, but uh, I was watching um, actually a really good show, Only Murders in the Building. It's on Hulu. It's uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short. It's really good. It's, it's based off of a podcast. I saw part of that. Yeah, really good. So anyway, I got sucked in and I was watching it. And um, I was, uh, I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. It's um, 20 to 12. I should probably be watching what's happening in, you know, like in the world right now. So I turned it on, nothing. Absolutely stinking nothing. Every channel was absolutely just talking. No acts, no stars, no anything. And I was like, did I miss it or what? And then it was just like, okay, we're doing the countdown now. And I'm like, what? Like, what's happening? And um, so anyway, my mom called uh, and I said, so she texted me and she said, hey, we're happy new year. We're going to bed now. Um, uh, your dad can't stand out and watch these people anymore. Um, he doesn't know who anybody is and he's getting frustrated because he can't pronounce their names. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta dive into this. So I dived into this. My mom was just like, oh, your dad just couldn't understand. Couldn't understand one of them. Um, what was his name? What was his name? What was it, Dale, what was his name? And he's like, 
And my mom said, oh, Little Nas Kiss. <laughs> it's Little Nas Kiss. I was like, holy shit, that is such a winner, mom. I said, I'm going to tell everybody, and I'm probably going to talk about that on Hypebusters. She's like, go ahead. I know that you guys are award-winning podcasts that are streaming internationally to every uh, continent that's available. But uh, Oh, my God. Holy crap. So anyway, what, what do I think for this new year? Um, nobody asked. Yeah. Where I'm, here I come. Um, for, <laughs> well, for, I was supposed to, so thank you for doing it for me. That's all right. I, I mean, I I could hold a full discussion sometimes, so I'm just going. Uh, we do both but, our parts. Yeah, I I'm I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth as usual. But uh, yeah, for this year, I think for for the Go Agency, um, I'd like to see a little bit more of a focus on quality over growth model. I think that's where I'm really going to um, focus a lot of our efforts. So I'd like to see more quality clients, more cl quality campaigns, and more quality work. I think that's what I'm going to focus on. And, uh, you know, with 2020, it kind of spun us out and we were kind of thinking like, oh, gosh, you know, what are we going to do and how are we going to keep going? And now we understand how we're going to sustain ourselves. So it's just how to make things even better. And I think that reinforcement is going to help us, like, recalibrate and be stronger, which is I'm already seeing it. So it's I know it's hopeful. For the world, I mean, the 2020 was a dumpster fire. Like 2021 was a, like a like a like a pile Trash of garbage fire. set on fire. Yeah, and then this is kind of like maybe 2022 is gonna be like dog shit lit on fire at your doorstep. I mean, maybe that's kind of the scale we're scaling okay. back a little bit. All um, right. I still think it's gonna be very rotten. optimistic. I think it's gonna be wrought with issues. I think in my area, like not looking at this, like the the world in terms of the political social world, looking at in terms of digital, I think it's going to be really exciting, but I think it's going to be really terrifying for a lot of people. I think a lot of businesses will be scared about the advancements and how fast they start happening. Um, I mean, with this, with metaverse, metaverse is coming, get involved in metaverse. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's going to be coming. Um, the, just by looking at the news cycle, mm -hmm certain things are dropping out of marketing discussion and certain things are being added in at such a high level that I kind of feel that's going to get pretty weighty and pretty heavy, pretty quick. So mm -hmm. strap in marketers. It's going to be one freaking interesting year for y'all. Um, it, it's, it's kind of time. It, like what was I talking to somebody the other day and it's, they were like, it's so much change. Like, how are you going to deal with it? And I was like, find your safe space and find the place where you can reset and then reset as often as you need to, because you're going to be going into the office and thinking like, yeah, I got an easy day. And then 14 platforms are going to update and screw up all your campaigns. So I'm be ready for it. People, you heard this here first. So <laughs> that's my Wait, big what, what accent was that? That was a um, pan Western European. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm just I I'm not I'm not about anyone. I'm I'm equal opportunity. I, I just I just I just I just grabbed a bunch and put them together. So funny. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any really big PR trends happening aside from the fact that the credibility of the media is still hanging in the balance and sort of uh, it's not not going great places. Um, which no. actually is a great segue to a, a news story that I found, like Glenn Greenwald, who I know has gotten very much labeled now as sort of a controversial figure at probably, yeah. you know, Chris, he was the guy that Edward Snowden actually was first reported 
you know, all of that information oh, to yeah. in that Hong Kong hotel room. And he was part of those, you know, the documentary and blah, mm. blah, blah. So he's known as a guy who's a former uh, lawyer and he's known as being a journalist who has a lot of integrity and was willing to report on things that put his life at jeopardy. Right. And so yeah. um, some people think he's continued to have that kind of integrity and this ironclad, you know, sort of commitment to objective journalism and true journalism or reporting the facts and things. Um, other people feel because he's now he's equal opportunity in terms of his analysis of things that are happening with government officials and presidents and parties and things that are not <laughs> that he doesn't think are right from a civil liberties perspective. Um, you may also know Chris, he's a, you know, he's a gay man who now lives in Brazil with his partner or husband. I, I actually don't know if they're married, but, but anyway, I don't, so I, like, April, April, one, like one misconception, very... one misconception, all gay men don't know. All <laughs> okay. I just, I just wanted to let you know, it's kind of like, it's like, Hey, 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 you know, oh, this guy. <laughs> do you know Fred Johnson? Like, um, yeah, no. No, that that was not what I was implying. But anyway, so he's like, he's like, you know, he's he's been a civil liberties guy for like as long as anybody can say. But but because that now is, you know, if he sees things that the left is doing that are violating civil liberties, he reports on them. So he's now gotten a reputation as being somebody who's dissent from, you know, being yep. a good journalist into madness because he's not going along with the party line where right. certain people think it needs to be gone along with. So that's my particular take on it. I'm sure a lot of people would even disagree with the way that I'm positioning it, but, but <laughs> at, any, at any rate, um, for those of you who think he has his integrity intact, um, I actually found this article quite interesting. So he wrote about how NBC is now using an ex FBI official, yeah. um, Frank Fagluzzi, to hey, uh, <laughs> it's, it's I mean, like i'm in italy talking is to you. it oh good it I'm is so it is god sorry my homemade pasta is over here so. that's racist um <laughs> <laughs> i'm italian i get away with it hey. Oops, so. sorry <laughs> anyway so he apparently um is now in the corporate media and and people are concerned that he's like an ex security you know agent of state state agent who is now delivering the news right, which is actually something he points out has been done a lot in late mm -hmm. in recent years. So okay, among the top security state officials over the last two decades, who've been hired to become news correspondents, journalists, whatever, right? News yeah, yeah. Deliverers for major corporate networks include former CIA director John Brennan, who's now with NBC, former director of national intelligence James Clapper, who's with CNN, mm -hmm. former assistant FBI director Frank Fogluzzi, who's with hey. <laughs> I had to do that. And then former Homeland Security Advisor Fran Townsend, also with CNN, and disgraced former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, also with CNN, former NSA and CIA Director Michael Hayden, who's also with CNN, and then countless others. So that's just like the beginning of the list. So what's obviously dangerous and interesting about this is that if, I don't know how much people trust the CIA to start with, because mm -hmm. 
are they for America or are they just kind of making sure that deals are happening behind the scenes with other countries mm-hmm. and we're doing horrible things with each other and to each other without anyone's knowledge. So if they're going from that to reporting the news and in some cases even reporting on things that they were previously involved with maybe like two months ago, <laughs> it's like very problematic in terms of how much people are going to be prone to trust the media, right? Because is then the media, corporate media being run by former you know, state agents who have a hand or an interest in what they used to do, you know, I mean, it's like in Homeland, right? Did you ever watch that? It's like, is she ever really, is she ever really apart from the CIA or is she just kind of always part of the CIA even when she's not officially in the CIA? So it's like, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's an interesting article. I, I, it's there, it's way, way, way too involved and long to get into um for the sake of the podcast i think it would make people's eyes cross because even reading it is is pretty heavy but i highly recommend checking it out the title of it is nbc news uses fbi official frank fugluzzi to urge assange's extradition hiding his key role and the main criticism he starts with before he gets into the context is that basically this um an msnbc article recently came out <clears throat> that was urging the prosecution and extradition of Julian Assange, claiming that the WikiLeaks founder will finally provide the long elusive proof that Donald Trump criminally conspired with Russia. Um, but then he goes into all of the facts behind, you know, that the government never even interviewed him, you know, and there were so it, it's a it's a very interesting look at it. And I think his main concern also is just that the media is advocating for, you know, the loss of freedom of, of, of Julian Assange, who's a journalist in his mind and should be upheld for, you know, revealing the truth, which I'm sure as somebody like him, you know, he, he can imagine being in his position someday. Right. Cause he could oh, yeah. have easily been um, in a similar, a similar uh, predicament. What's interesting, what's interesting about the article, though, is it doesn't talk about the major moves that Fox News is doing with um, hiring people. They've decided to not choose um, anybody in the government, and they're going after um, actors and actresses from their, their canceled shows from the 90s. So, um, so actually, they've, they've enlisted the cast of um, Herman's Head. Do you remember that show? Stop. Are you serious? Herman's Head. Um, yeah, they're, I do um, not remember this show. Herman's Head was a it was a it was a big hit it was a breakout hit, um, if you will, um, and lots of the other um, they've actually done um, Nat from the Peach Pit on nine hundred two one zero he's going to be doing uh, lots of the consumer coverage. Um, there's lots of lots of interest. I'm totally lying, obviously. No, I mean, but it's just interesting. I'm looking at that list, and it's kind of like they're not. It's all fairly left wing um, where yeah. they're going. So it's oh kind yeah. Of, Oh yeah. No, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it, unfortunately for the sake of the credibility of the media for the, whether you agree with Glenn Greenwald or think he's gone to hell in a handbasket or whatever, right. Regardless for perception of media credibility and objectivity, Mm -hmm. it is absolutely catastrophic. Mm -hmm. So from a PR perspective, I mean, make fun of him or the situation all you want, but it is, it's a disaster waiting to happen because oh, yeah. credibility of the media is already in the shitter. And this is just going to take it 
down the sewer and into wherever that goes. Like, I like, ocean, like, I like, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard. All right, so you have um, uh, this uh, the the fantastic FBI joining the media, but what about Volvo? I know you were talking about this earlier. Yes, yeah, so I thought this was pretty interesting. So, and this was an um, I found this actually on a fashion blog. It's a fashion law blog, mm-hmm. and essentially, fashion law is it like is it fashioned to be lawful or is it what is it? It's it's the fashionlaw.com. The fashion law. So, is it the laws of fashion, or is it fashion and barristers? Like, what is it? I don't know. What is it? The, I want Actually, to find out. Hold on. Mission and values. One moment. I will tell you more. Oh, it, it pulled up immediately. Like it knew it. A modern media and information company that explores the legal and commercial challenges facing the retail industry. All right. Does that Sign me question? up. Okay. Sign me up. So basically what happened is mm-hmm. Volvo had, they were, they settled this copyright centric lawsuit after they were sued in a California federal court last year mm-hmm. for using another party's photos for an alleged Instagram ad campaign. So the photographer, Jack Schroeder and model, uh, Brittany Samita accused the Swedish automaker of copyright infringement for using photos that Schroeder had taken of Somita posing alongside a Volvo S60 as part of a global advertising campaign on Instagram without their authorization. My God, people are so freaking stupid. How did that happen? Oh, this smacks, this is, this smacks of like rookie mistakes or rookie, like rookie mistakes. um, But also something like, he'll never know. It's kind of like when someone, I've seen this happen time and time again, someone will just do a Google image search for something and use that in all of their print. And it's like, you can't do that. That's so crazy to me. I don't even understand. It's lazy. And so then Volvo, I was arguing that by posing the photo, the posting the photos on Instagram in the first place, that Schroeder had granted it an implied license to repost the photos. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> That's really not how that works. Somebody has a very, very creative legal team. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, well, you need to be. That's it. When it's so stupid, you have to come up with a good excuse. So bad. It's so bad. So, anyway, I thought that that was interesting, especially because it was pretty much hidden, except for on this, thefashionlaw.com. Oh my God. Website. My babe all time i am i'm subscribing right now i can't wait to get their updates and no. if you and if you are from the fashionlaw.com we do offer sponsorship advertising uh, opportunities here <laughs> at Hackbusters, <laughs> and we love your content we really do especially their um the 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 late breaking story on nfts and handbags um okay so uh i found something that i thought would be interesting for us to discuss we'll okay it. so we do like obviously at go at go we do um daily trend spotting every day and um my strategy assistant sent this over to me and i was just like no way <laughs> no way and it's the fact that new print magazine launches have more than doubled in 2021 all right so we're looking at 2019 there was like 139 2020 60 obviously low because of all the michigas but at 122, 
in um, 2021. Now, April, I know this wasn't um, a surprise to you because you are a subscriber to the quarterly, uh, bi-monthly Ms. Heal magazine that launched <laughs> in 2021. Or was it the In Pickleball quarterly that I, you I subscribe, subscribe to? That yeah, it's that. Okay, yeah. Well, if you if you have some time later, I'll, I'll forward you my um, my column in Crankshaft. Also, Crankshaft. Um, <laughs> Wait, that is really a thing. Oh yeah. my god! And then uh, I also liked um, Mother Tongue. Yeah, Mother Tongue um, is also, it's also a, a really big hitting title because um, I just wrote a big expose on um, People Royals magazine that just basically takes some words and puts it together and has a title. Okay, if you are publishers of these magazines, again, we do offer sponsorship opportunities here at iBusters. Please reach out. Um, we really love the, um, especially Scout Life magazine, Curious Society, Delish. Drew quarterly. Which no, is no, 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 don't don't knock Delish. Delish is like they've been around forever as a as a very popular food blog and website, but now they have a print edition. Oh, that's good. And I think Drew might be a Drew Barrymore lifestyle. Oh, for, no, real? for real, for real, for real. I think that might be that what that is. Rather than Dr. Drew's quarterly magazine, which nobody really wants to read. Anyway, I think it's really interesting that that is actually going on because, you know, when you think about print, you think about print dying out. But in this article, it's just saying that people are... Oh my God, it is. <laughs> yeah, am I right? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's becoming a lifestyle person. Um, I am impressed that you knew that. Yeah, I know stuff. I like Drew Barrymore too. Um, but... Um, Little little known fact, my dog is named after her cartoon Christmas specials character's name. Stop. Yep. Olive, the other reindeer. That's cute. Well, it's I super I cute. I have a goat named after Clarice from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeers. Oh, okay, good. I thought you were going to say, like, put the, put the lotion in the basket, Clarice. <laughs> like, Silence of the Lambs. No, good. No, everyone thinks that, and I'm like, gross, no. No, I wouldn't. I would, how dare you? Um, so who else has some issues? Everybody does, don't we? Everyone has a little bit of issues here and there, but Spotify is having the Gen Z problem. Oh my God, Gen Z, let's talk about you. Wait, I know where you, you give, are. Did you give the statistic on how many more print publications are out? Yeah. Okay, I must have missed that when I was looking up something. Yeah, I know. It's like 122, I think, this year. Um, crazy. That's mm -hmm. like, like, like that percentage of increase is dramatic. It's really dramatic, but I also think that if you look at it, it's a dip from 2020, um, 2019. So I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not like, it's not like, I don't think it's a hundred percent exciting, but I think it's just kind of like that. It's still almost at that level as 2019 is pretty. pretty I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, and, and that it's niche. Everything's going more niche podcasts, yeah. print, like everything is getting more and more and more focused and specific. And I think that that's kind of how it should be. I think that everyone should be like, that's what we're, that's what all marketers should be telling their clients right now is that you should be getting more leaning into your authenticity and where your, your target area is and not niching yourself out. So it's like so niche, but leaning into your area of expertise and just yeah, focusing sure. on that. Um, but yeah, so if you um, guess who's not buying any of these publications, such as Miss Heal, Generation Gen Z. Um, Ms. Heal. 
Mizzou. Frank Valochi. <laughs> oh my God, pasta. So anyway, uh, Spotify has an issue. God bless you. Sorry, Spotify. Let me cry into my Kleenex over here. Um, the problem is that they're really great with Generation X, but Generation Z is not um, going after them at the same level. And obviously why? Because everyone's on TikTok. And TikTok, and, and not everyone, everyone in that arena and that in that demo is definitely there and this gen z issue is something that instagram's facing facebook's facing i mean just looking at the stats we were talking about earlier in terms of trends streaming is kind of one of the biggest trends on social apps as well as you tiktok i mean tiktok is beating youtube now i don't know about you this that's a good question here do you feel i mean we're not obviously gen z we're we're gen y <laughs> no, I, I don't think either of us still smell like placenta. So um, I, I would say that, you know, do you feel like you would search TikTok for how to's? No, in no universe would I do that. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, I would go down a rabbit hole, but I also find that I, I'm, I have to look through so much information all day long that I find it, I find TikTok a lot of work. I actually don't even have, I took TikTok off my phone because I was worried about getting spied on by China. So. <laughs> my God. <laughs> so, um, notice to everyone in Gen Z, China's watching you. And they're I mean, watching you through the TikTok app on your phone. <laughs> so the next time you do a stanky leg dance challenge, understand that someone in Xi'an is going to be checking you out. I, I, yeah. um, I, I think it's kind of, um, it's, it's trying to find out how we can appeal to this, uh, this audience from this, the, it's kind of like the trappings of TikTok is what we have to figure out everything in. And I don't necessarily think that that's a catch-all answer. Um, I think it's kind of like, look, bite-sized content that's entertaining is really fun. And especially if it's video, okay? How can we make that same? Well, you can't make that sing on Facebook because it's it's like going to see like a, I don't know. Facebook tends to be like, I feel like Facebook is like going to, it's like a timeshare presentation. Instagram's going over someone's house to like see their vacation slides. And um, TikTok is kind of just like postcard. Like something that's just like fast, non-committal. Oh, cool. Throw away. Um, but I don't know. I think that a lot of a lot of uh, marketers out there are going to have to not make mistakes like using Instagram photos of somebody else and put them into your ads. <laughs> um, but this, you know what, April? This is this is this is the problem that we're going to be hearing about. I think this year a lot um, is people just reposting things and uh, for advertising and misappropriating other people's content and. I think that's going to be a big thing. That's why I think a lot of uh, platforms are going to subscription bases because they want to protect and reward for content production. Mm. Please, I mean, I don't know. These are big platforms. They have a lot of resources. I mean, fucking figure it out. <laughs> it's a lot. 
can we not see I'm a ma- I'm a major platform and I'm looking and I can't reach Generation Z. Wouldn't I get my entire team like to try to figure out how to do that? Like before it's an issue? I don't know. I just don't find I feel like some of these these brands that are supposed to be forward thinking are kind of not forward thinking. They're kind of leaning into their success rather than evolving. Now that's why Instagram and because there's a another version of Meta coming out um, soon as well. And that's going to change up a lot of things. And that's why Instagram has been sent. I mean, their updates are out of control. They're putting out so many different things. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but I think once it settles, it'll be very interesting. But I don't know, we'll have to kind of see where the where the chips fall. Um, but I have an idea. Want to do point counterpoint? Yeah, let's do it. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> oh wow, that was very enthusiastic. I am Frank. All right, intro, intro, introduce it <laughs> with, with only in an Italian accent, please, since you've made fun of me. Hey, I'm April Muggles, and I uh, is the point and the counterpoint. <laughs> so, point counterpoint. Okay, so this is the segment where uh, both of us have different takes on one topic one is generally writer than the other but we'll leave that up to you again if you are one of the publications that released in 2021 we do accept sponsorships so you can touch that you can uh, get in touch with us via the hype busters channels so please get in touch with us um, and you can pay us to promote you so point counterpoint Really interesting article that I read um, by Dennis Francis. Um, He writes on medium.com and he wrote uh, an article about AI taking over content marketing and how he's ready for the revolution. So good old DF's article is all about how phenomenal AI is for content writing and how it's going to revolutionize how people are going to create content and produce it and and have it engage with their audience and how content is an issue that many of us face and AI is just going to rip that problem right off of our plates um, and just deliver us a tasty steak. So what do you think about this, April? What do you think about robots writing for us? I would say in theory, sure, but I don't think that Dennis Francis who wrote the article has read any of the AI produced content because it is awful. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Dennis. (laughs) Sorry, Dennis. I mean, it is terrible. I mean, because his writing isn't terrible. His writing is normal. It sounds like a person. Yeah, he's not using AI. But when you read an (laughs) AI article, I mean, I've read them and it's like, is this English? It's English. Like, what is it saying? Like, the continuity is not there. The through point of the points are not coming. Like, they're not actually being delivered. It's it's a mess. It's like all a bunch of sentences strung together that should, in theory, make sense, but look like somebody that doesn't really speak English wrote it, even yes. though the English is proper. It's like, what the hell am I reading? And why did you do this to me? Makes your mm-hmm. brain want to explode. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a challenging read. Um, I've tried it many times just to kind of see if it would be something that would be useful at all, and I found something very, I found very similar. I feel like there's no through line. Um, 
to the narrative that when the content's being written, especially if it's long or even short, short content's the worst. Um, longer content's a little bit better because you're so fatigued by the second paragraph that you don't really care what you're reading anymore. Honestly, one paragraph oh. of that stuff is all I can really handle. It's like too much. And, and I've had a lot of writers that that I've worked with in the past from other countries to, you know, English isn't their first language. And, yeah. and it, and it has a slightly similar feeling of like, okay, this isn't your first language, but anybody from the Philippines that writes English is yeah. still going to sound like it's still somebody who understands language and not like, like a computer that is putting together words in a proper format with no context. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, and so, okay. So your, your point is that you, you, it sucks. I mean, I like it in theory, right? If we could use this in the future, great. But what I've seen so far is not super promising. Yeah. I, I have like a, my, my, I agree that it's, it, it's good for the future, but right now, how can you apply it? I think that there are AI platforms that if you spend enough money, you get a more sophisticated machine in AI. So you get more, it's better and it's stronger. But the ones that are kind of out there right now on a subscription base, it's still pricey. Um, yeah. I found that short-term, con short-form content can be a little bit of a struggle unless you really spend the time on hacking the algorithm as to how the AI works. So if you have the time to do that, it's much like, hey, I could do a search um, uh, on Google for this, but if I use these codes and these kind of different ways of doing the search, I'll get the perfect result. It's kind of like, why don't I just pull up a thousand results and I'll just scroll through them? That's kind of what it's like for a lot of companies using AI because it's like, well, how the hell am I going to do this? I'll, I'll put in a couple keywords, I'll put in the, the subject sentence, and I'll put a couple points and then it should work. Now, you have to be very specific. You have to put very specific leading content. Um, and then you'll get something that's better, but not perfect. I like it for a starter. So if you're having, um, if you have to write some content and you want to come up with some ideas on kind of how content could look, or you want to get first iterations, it's worth it. I think it's worth it just to kind of play around with it. Yeah, I wouldn't use it for a blog. Because like, for example, okay, for a blog, right, I see what you're saying. I mean, I will tell you, we we tried that for a while to cut down on cost by having this Filipino woman help write the first draft of things mm -hmm. and then have, you know, the team here polish it up. And we actually found that it was more work to edit what was being done than it was to just do it from scratch. So it took, wasn't saving any money because it was just an extra step. Um, and then it was bit about the same amount of work to clean it up. So, and she's, she's quite good. So I, my concern would be that you do the same, but I guess if it's just for idea generation, that's a different thing. But if it's actually for yeah. like a blog for your website, I wouldn't even recommend mm -hmm. that because I'm, I would be concerned that it would just be your, you know, it's like editing a, <clears throat> a, a mechanical kindergartner's work into something like the, like an adult English speaker would do, and it's like yeah. I don't know why I don't know why you would waste your time doing that. But yeah, see, like I think that like for me, in the case of like for example, your writer, like we have to put out a lot of content in a month for our clients, and I find that if someone writes something that I, I if I have something in its spot, I can read what they wrote, understand the sentiment and the direction, and write something better immediately. 
rather than having to go through the thought process and like, what's the, what's the content mix. So what I do is when I do that for my, if I'm doing that internally, I tell our writer, when you get this, that's the gist. Do not change the words. Do not change the sentence structure, blow it out and rewrite it because it's like, Oh, this is terrible. This is, I wouldn't say it like this. Okay, great. Great. Want a freaking award. Just look at it and say something new. And I think that sometimes that does save time on some things, but if you're doing highly technical stuff, you got to be very careful. I think it's worth it. I think it's something to keep your eye on. Um, I wouldn't throw all your eggs into the basket and go like, oh my God, this is going to save me a whole entire copywriting department because you're lying to yourself. Oh yeah. No, it's not going to do that. If it does that, it's going to, yeah, it's going to tank your marketing team if you do that. (laughs) Oh my God. Everyone's going to be so upset with you. Um, (laughs) um, So, okay. So that's our point and counterpoint. I hope everybody enjoyed that. We like to do that weekly on Hype Busters. So joining us on our next episode or on demand to see what else we've busted and point and counterpoint. Chris, are you ready for the next, your favorite cash, cash or trash? Cash or trash. I think we're ready for it. Let's do it. I think it's going to be fun today. So Ink Magazine.